Please join me for the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Refresh our lives, O Lord, through the hearting of your word. Quiet our hearts and open our minds to what your spirit would say today. Amen. Our scripture reading is Mark 1, 32 to 39. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many people who were sick with all kinds of diseases and threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to the deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, everyone is looking for you. He replied, let's head in the other direction to a nearby village so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. He traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons for the word of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um. In just a moment, we're going to show a video. Um, I want to give you some context for the video. Um, Elizabeth Rowland, uh, who grew up in this congregation, you've heard her talk uh, before. Um, she is on the World Race, uh, which is kind of an evangelism opportunity um, to go along with um, a group of young adults uh, to go to every continent uh, in the world um, uh, to do ministry of different kinds in different places. Um, she is already a, a month or so, six, uh, eight weeks in. Um, but before she left, uh, we asked her to um, tell us a little bit about what does it mean to pack for the journey? Um, uh, you know, you, you could imagine, right, if you're going to be gone for 11 months, um, how much stuff would you take? Um, then when you realize that you have to carry all of that stuff, you might take less. Um, so Elizabeth, we asked her to make a video uh, just about her experiences of packing and what she'll be taking um, on uh, the world race. So let's hear what Elizabeth has to say. Good morning, Chapelwood. I heard that you are talking about being overpacked and how much that can be a burden and be really, really heavy. So I'm going to talk just for a couple minutes about my pack that I am taking around the world with me. So I have a 65 liter big pack as well as a small like school size backpack that I use as a carry-on. So when I was packing it, I had to be really, really careful because it just gets so heavy. And I will say when I went to my training camp for the world race, I was definitely overpacked. And the exact moment I realized I was overpacked was at the start line of my fitness hike where we had to hike several miles on a time restraint and we had to have our pack strapped to our back. And it was just so hot and so heavy and it was definitely a burden. And I will say one of the items that I had overpacked was the clothes because being a 22 year old girl, I was just not ready <laughs> yet to give those up. But when I got back from training camp, I changed to four shirts, one flannel for Europe, and three pairs of basketball shorts, one pair of zip-off pants that look really great on me, and a skirt and a dress. And I packed them into these two things. So this is my closet for a year. And three other items, or two other items besides these packing cubes so that your clothes aren't just stuffed into random corners is 
a headlamp that I promise all the cool kids are wearing, as well as baby wipes, because along the journey at training camp, I learned the difference between things that you want and things that you need, and something that you might really, really want but not need is a shower, which is when these baby wipes come in handy. So, if you see pictures of me on the world race and it looks like I'm wearing the same thing, it's probably because I definitely am. Although, I am washing them in the sink. But, you know, at training camp, I definitely had the burden of an overpacked pack and when I got home and rethought things, and I learned a lot about the difference between needs and wants. Uh, you know, my pack is a lot lighter now, and now that I'm on the race, or I will be when you see this video, it is uh, much easier and not nearly as much of a burden to carry. We're thankful for Elizabeth sharing a little bit about packing. Um, uh, one of the nice stories that uh, Michael told uh, about uh, her experience in that first kind of uh, travel, right? One of the reasons why they want you to uh, have such a light pack is you're going to have to um, carry that thing through the airport at least, and then also uh, in country. Um, and so when they were weighing out uh, who had the uh, lightest pack, uh, Elizabeth had the lightest pack, um, 32... 36 pounds. Um, some of the kids had 50 pounds, right? They were looking at Elizabeth like, how'd you do that? You forgot something, didn't you? Um, so I love, um, I love the story um, of how much they were sucking wind um, walking through the airport because they had to carry all of their stuff uh, with them. I recently had the experience of sucking wind and carrying a lot of stuff. <laughs> Is that, a good, that was a good transition, wasn't it? Um, so last week I wasn't playing hooky while Kate delivered a delightful sermon that I've been able to hear via podcast. I was with a couple of guys, um, Michael Rowland being one of them, uh, walking 15 miles in the wilderness, carrying everything we needed on our backs. Um, I, my pack was not 36 pounds. We, we won't describe how many pounds my was. I, I just um, am happy to have survived the trip. Um, it was a wonderful experience, right? But it's, it's definitely one of those things where um, you have to think, well, what am I carrying with me? And how is it going to impact my journey? Um, not unlike the things that we carry around every day. I loved LM's um, uh, use of her um, briefcase, suitcase, uh, the things that she'll need um, this week, right? Some of us are carrying around so much stuff. In addition to carrying so much stuff, we're not really sure what direction we're headed in. Our um, scripture passage, uh, well, okay, I forgot a cue, sorry. Um, so one of the interesting stories I learned as I was um, um, following Michael Rowland um, uh, through the woods um, was uh, they would tell stories about uh, youth groups and uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts who had uh, done similar treks. And um, uh, Don Dyer told me, um, uh, he wasn't on the trip, but it was afterwards. Uh, he says, yeah, he says, I took this one group of kids. Uh, one of the youth in there um, brought five pounds of trail mix. They were uh, uh, convinced they would not be hungry, but they only brought a 32 ounce bottle of water. Right? You know, what are you bringing with you? And what will you need first? Um, what I love about our scripture passage today is in the midst of all of the activity that Jesus does, um, at the end of the day, Jesus says, let's go to another direction. 
Right, so Jesus' life is full. Um, he's there in the city. Uh, he is healing. He is casting out demons. He is teaching. Um, I imagine there's probably a, a couple of loaves and fish that are uh, made into Happy Meals for somebody. I mean, there's, there's a lot of activity going on. And Jesus goes to bed, and he wakes up earlier than anyone else, and he heads off to a deserted place to pray. The disciples, I love the scripture passage, track him down and find him and say, hey, everybody back in the city, they want you to do your thing. Do your, your healing thing, your, uh, your casting out demons thing, your, your teaching thing. They like that thing. And Jesus says, no, let's go another direction. Let's go to a different place. Let's go to these villages that haven't heard the gospel yet. One of the things that um, Kate talked about last week and that Henry Nowen's been talking about in his book, if you've been reading along with us, um, is that we live busy lives. Our calendars are filled, but our lives are unfulfilled. We're both busy and bored at the same time. It's kind of the modern condition. We'll even brag about how busy we are, thinking that it leads to some sort of credibility. Now, Jesus was busy too, right? There's no wasted effort, no procrastination, no laziness in what Jesus does. Um, Jesus gets up early in the morning. Um, I'm still uh, hearing it from a particular Promise Keepers group that meets on uh, Friday mornings at 5.30 in the morning. The only reason why I'm not attending is because they meet at 5.30 in the morning on Friday mornings. Jesus didn't waste any action. He knew what needed to be done and he did it. But unlike us, he's not scattered in many different directions. Jesus is all about one thing. It's all about his father's work, about his father's kingdom. I wonder, how do you find your direction? I'm going to flash uh, a couple of logos that might uh, tell you about uh, where you're getting your uh, direction from. Right? These are all logos from cloud-based um, uh, uh, apps that uh, help you organize your to-do list. Um, if you're on a church committee, you know this one. Not only does your work require you to do one, um, but uh, for the stewardship campaign, we're using uh, Asana. That's not a commercial. Some of you are old school. You grease the squeaky wheel, right? Can I get an amen? Some of you, I, I just heard about this. I inserted this in. Did you know that there is a device that doesn't require charging? You can ride and erase off of it. You can do it in color. That they come with, I mean, they're almost disposable. How easy it is to use. It would be pen and paper, right? <laughs> Some of you remember the music, spinning plates, right? You just keep spinning them, but don't let any of them fall. Some of you wait till there's a fire and put out the fire, right? Um, but maybe there's a better way to find your direction. Maybe there's something better to make your to-do list or uh, to choose your direction uh, or to choose your priorities. Of course, what we're talking about is, is purpose and finding that purpose. Jesus had that purpose. Uh, he was not busy and bored, but rather he was busy about his father's work. Um, so the question around purpose is really helpful. Um, 
Who are we uh, trying to be? What are we trying to become? You heard last week, um, Kate does a great job of talking about the importance um, of uh, knowing who we are and being comfortable with it, um, that oftentimes uh, we are unhappy to be uh, in solitude or alone. Um, I know she talked about at this service, um, the social science experiment where the people could choose uh, to be um, uh, quiet uh, alone and silent, uh, or take an electric shock. Um, now, you could choose to do um, the alone and silent thing by yourself, but you had to wait until the time was over, and then on average, most people who chose silence after five minutes self-administered a shock, which allowed them to get out of the room. I, I mean, did you gasp when you heard that? So I audibly gasped as I listened to the podcast. It's almost as if our purpose is to fill up, you know, to, to have enough noise in the background that we never have to ask what our life is about. You know, Jesus did one thing. He did one thing. He was obedient to his father. He did one thing. He was about his father's kingdom. What is your one thing? We all have one thing. Uh, some of it's to um, prove mom and dad wrong. <laughs> you, you can make a living with a liberal arts degree, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> some of it is to live up to, the, uh, to fill the shoes of grandparents who are the greatest generation. Uh, some of it's just to be better than that girl, you know, down the, uh, the aisle who seems to keep telling you you're not good enough, right? Well, whatever it is, what is your one thing, your purpose? For life. Jesus is around obedience. But I want to guess that obedience is probably not the thing to hang out on the shingle uh, at Chapelwood and say, hey, come learn how to be obedient, right? We, we tend to have a bad experience with the word obedience. Um, I mean, just, you know, you can look at my daughter's face during the early service as I preached about obedience, right? I wasn't even directing it at her, but she wasn't happy anyways, right? <laughs> Remember back to when you were a child and your parents demanded obedience from you. I wonder sometimes, do you see obedience as duty or do you see obedience as joy? Is it, is it a joy to obey God? Is it a joy to obey your boss, your teacher? Or is it just another duty to get done? And in fact, I think this is so important. I want you to take a moment and turn to somebody next to you. Now, if you happen to uh, ride in the same car and then choose to sit next to, next, next to each other in the pew, well, that's just shame on you, right? You'll have to have an honest conversation with somebody who is going home with you, so be careful, right? Um, but just for a moment, turn to somebody near you. And if you're not a people person, that's great. You don't have to move and find somebody. But think to yourself, what is obedience to you when you hear it? What's that first reaction? Is it duty or is it joy? I just give you a little bit of time. But turn to your neighbor. Um, I'm going to find, I see Gary over here. Gary, I'm going to be Gary's partner. So y'all turn and ask, what is it, obedience or joy? All right, so I wonder, uh, I'm going to make you uh, do forced sharing here really quick. Um, if, uh, if you, your little partnership came up with the idea that obedience is about um, uh, duty, r raise your hand. It's okay, there's no shame in either answer, right? Uh, and if your partnership came up that obedience is about joy, raise your hand. 
All right, so I just want you to know that there's more people in the early service that are joyful, but that's okay. We're glad you're here out of duty. <laughs> Makes my attendance figures look good, right? Uh, what would we do without duty, right? Um, you know, uh, um, how, how do we get to a place where obedience doesn't feel like a list of things we've got to do, that may or may not be your definition of duty, uh, but becomes something that springs from our heart, that is a joy to do what God's asked us to do. I, I think those are um, difficult things. I think it plays into our discussion about success. H how do you measure success? Um, if you measure success out of duty, th then it's, uh, all right, I, I went to church, I checked the box, right? I went to a small group, I checked the box. Um, I hope next month you put in a pledge card, I checked the box. <laughs> Right, that success becomes an, uh, a collection of actions that we do. But, but what if success is something else? Um, you know, our life is filled with these voices that tell us what to do, right? Um, I finally have figured out what clickbait is. Um, clickbait is when they say, 10 easy ways to lose weight, and you click on them, and they're all like Captain Obvious, right? Like, dude, I could have written this article, you know? You know, five easy ways to be a better parent. Three easy ways to be a better husband. Right, this is clickbait. This is the, the voices in our culture trying to tell you what you should do. And, and there's a little bit of a, um, a um, phonetic humor here. So please listen. I'm about to say the word S-H-O-U-L-D, should. No one likes to be should on. Right? No, no one likes all of these things that have to be done. No, no one likes to be told, it's your duty, it's your duty, it's your duty. That at the end of the day, we want something that speaks to our heart. And it's true to say that if you don't know what's good, then anything will do. Uh, or, or better put, if you don't know where you're going, any road will do. That's a famous quote by Jim Hill, uh, um, one of our church leaders here. Where are you headed? What's the measure? Have you just been slogging away at the duty? Or is there some sort of heart love that should happen? Henry Allen and Jesus um, talk about uh, that the way to find the joy in obedience is through listening. Uh, it's uh, listening to the master, listening to the voice. Now, I gotta be honest with you, I am not the guy who hears audible words from God and then goes and does them. I know for some of you that's really sad and it's a letdown um, that you expect your pastor to have a red phone to God and to be able to hear supernatural voice from God. I've never been that person. I've always tried, but I've never been. And I know some of you are, and I don't discount um, your experience. In fact, if God says anything to you about me, will you? please let me know. Um, but the place where I do hear God is right here. It, it's, um, it's this kind of truth piece. Um, it's this kind of, yeah, that's what needs to be done. It's never verbal, but it's always emotional. Uh, the other place that I hear God very clearly is right here. I hear it in the conversations that we have. I hear it in the emails that we exchange. I hear it in what you say on Facebook and how uh, we greet each other after worship. I hear God moving in my life as he calls me through your voice, listening. 
Now, listening is not the easiest thing. I, I believe that the elements that line up for discipleship, for us to truly learn and listen from God, it, it's discipline, it's repetition, and it's a community. Now, while I was following Michael Rowland in the woods um, for 15 miles over three days, carrying all of my stuff on my back, I heard lots of um, stories about Boy Scouts. And, and somebody at one point asked me, hey, Peter, were you ever a Boy Scout? And I said I was a weeblow for one month. <laughs> I liked the uniform. It was pretty cool. And then when that, in that one month, they asked me to do lots of like sweaty, dirty things and, you know, work hard. And I was like, wow. I'll just keep the uh, uniform as a memento, right? But to be, a, to be an Eagle Scout, uh, to get a, a black belt in Taekwondo, to, to get a PhD, to, to do whatever that high bar thing to do, wouldn't you agree with me? It requires discipline. You got to keep at it. You, you got to do hard things, not just easy things. And you got to do repetition, right? I can't just go see the Taekwondo uh, uh, instructor one week and go, yep. <laughs> I've got to go every week. And I've got to have a community that's going along with me. Whether that's a class, whether it's a small group, whether it's a team, uh, whether it's a neighborhood, I, I don't care. But going alone, um, what, what is the old African proverb? Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Right? Discipleship, listening to the voice. Oh. There we go. Listening to the voice of God requires that we, um, that we listen hard, not just easy, that we listen often, and that we surround ourselves with others who are listening as well. You, you know, it's fascinating. Um, Henry Nouwen and Jesus both uh, talk about that the thing that transforms obedience from being uh, duty into joy is a change of heart. Have you ever had a change of heart? Have you ever had a, a conversion, or if you're a John Wesley fellow, that your heart was strangely warmed? How has your heart been converted? That's what turns duty into joy. That's what changes our approach to God. Now, I have seen uh, change of hearts happen, right? Um, I have had churches that have had 12-step programs. And the day the um, uh, a person uh, who's addicted uh, hits uh, bottom and starts with step one, that's a change of heart day. I have watched people who have worked a long time, years in particular professions, thinking that was their identity until they woke up to God's truth that who they are is a child of God, not what they do for a living. They start asking questions about what's possible. That's a change of heart. Right, right. I mean, uh, it's sad to say that oftentimes change of hearts come with the, what, what I call the four D's. Um, um, the four D's are um, uh, uh, someone in your circle um, dies, uh, death. Um, you get diagnosed with a disease, uh, diagnose. Um, a divorce happens um, or disorder. Uh, you get moved, you get promoted, you get demoted, uh, you get laid off. That those four D's are oftentimes that upheaval that God is already making happen so that a change of heart can come, so that it's no longer duty, but joy. And when we listen to the voice, listen to the voice of God, who, Kate reminds us, loves us just the way we are, 
we begin finding the path towards discipleship. I, I, I want to wonder with you, what voice are you following? What voice do you hear in your head? Is it a cacophony of voices um, that you uh, put out fires so different voices will be quiet? Or is it a, a clear voice? A voice of the one who formed you with his own two hands, who breathed the breath of life into you and has been offering grace and blessing and opportunity your whole life, even before you noticed it. When we start thinking about filling our lives, we find that that fulfillment happens not because of the activities that we do, not because of the things that we believe, not because all those little details around us. But we begin to feel fulfilled when we have a change of heart, a clarity of purpose, and hear the voice of the one who has loved us no matter what. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.